0: And that habit and those feelings are such a mess for this man who has swallowed every negative feeling he's had since he was castrated. And is ooh, listen, the, like, writer in me, the person who loves stories thinks it's so tasty. The person thinks it's, the human being inside me thinks it's, like, the saddest shit she's ever read in her life. It can be both. (laughs) It can be. This book does both. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Mortified, The Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron.
0: And I'm a baby that's about to get murdered.
1: Um, and this week, we snatched the mandate of heaven for ourselves with She Who Became the Sun. Before we assume our siblings' identities, remember you can help us on Mortified, The Legitimacy Quest, by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, and following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Aaron, I know we've already read one book this year with a chi- by a Chinese diaspora author about the historical oppression of women with main characters who have transcend the gender binary. But how would you feel about it if we read another one?
0: Ah, uh, okay. Listen, hear me <laughs> out. So <laughs> I love this book. I do. I wish I had read it any other week.
1: Yeah, I think unfortunately we're both we both had a kind of a difficult week. Uh, and that is gonna affect how this episode runs, so sorry. Uh sorry about that, Shelley Parker Chan. Uh I know you're doing great. I don't think you need uh, the mortified seal of approval, but um you know You're gonna
0: get it, but gonna it's get, gonna, like, listen, I like this it's book. It's gonna but. come tinged with an with with some some sour notes that have nothing to do with your beautiful novel.
1: <laughs> no, your novel's great. Um but yeah, it's just the hosts have been having a rough one, but we're still here producing content for for our listeners. So shall we do the plot summary and then talk about uh, our feelings?
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, She Who Became the Son by Shelley Parker-chan is a, a book about a little girl who was born into a famine and then it gets worse. Um <laughs> Her, once her father is killed by bandits, after he, by the way, tries to sell her to them as food, which, you know, you hear uh, you hear a lot of tell of little girls getting sold as, you know, concubines and such. I think food is worse. Anyway, uh, after this happens, her weak-willed pussy-ass brother kills himself. Uh, <laughs> I see that because that's how the book frames it. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of how the
1: book <laughs> frames it. Um.
0: um, he is a traumatized child. He does kill himself. Um, and she steals his name and goes off to become a monk. She lives peacefully in the monastery for a long time with her best friend, Shuda. And, uh, then, uh, the general of the Mongol army, the eunuch general, uh, General Oyang, uh, shows up and because he felt insulted by the abbot, burns that shit down. Uh, now displaced, uh, are <laughs> Our good girl, Zhu, uh, uh, she goes by her last name mostly, though it's Zhu uh, uh, Chungba, the full name of her brother that she stole. And we, she names herself at the end of the book, but we never learn her birth name, um, as God intended. Uh, she continues on to, uh, through a series of happy accidents, sad accidents, betrayals, and political movements, uh, basically becomes the general of this rebel army um, in the south. Meanwhile, on the Mongol side, um, ruled by uh, Lord Yesson, who is the Mongol prince uh, in this situation, Um, my good, good, tragic general, Ouyang, the eunuch general, is plotting his revenge for the Mongols having killed his whole entire family uh, against uh, Lord Yesson. This is a tragedy. Everyone is sad. And it's a really good book, but now I'm sad.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a downer. Um, I mean, like, right, this, this story follows the historical rise of the the Emperor Chu, um, I'm going to look it up, but I think it's uh, uh, Yuan Yongdao, let me look it up. Um, she who became the son um, do 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 Chu um, Yongchang um, who, who, bego- who does become the, the Hongwu Emperor. Um, but like, he, right, this, this is an imagining of that, that em- historical emperor's rise to power, um, but uh, Shelley Parker-chan, her, her whole, uh, well, I guess their whole, she was thinking about, like, what if um, this whole, like, Confucian ideal, right, because the, the Confucian patriarchy is based on this this one historical figure, um, Chu Young-chan, um, what if that guy was actually, you know, born a woman? Um, and that that's a fun subversion of of you know um, Confucian patriarchy, um, and yeah, it, it's a very interesting story. There's a lot of gender. I mean, I don't I don't think it's a surprise that the author is um, you know a she they uh, trans person, um, th- very similar to the other book I was referencing, which is of course Shirin J. Shao's Iron Widow. Um, you know, a book that is you know very interested in the historical oppression of um, women in, in Chinese culture, um, in a in culture generally to be fair. Um, and, um, you know, is a re- retelling of, you know, that, that history of, of, you know, various, uh, various influences and it, in a very interesting and fun way. I think there's a lot of good, uh, lately you brought this up in your notes, but interiority, the book is, is just a lot about people's motivations and feelings in, in a big way. Um, yeah. But also it's, you know, there is enough military fantasy for me to be like, this is, you know, this is fun and exciting. Um, you know, I, I, I really loved the, um the series about the the rise of the mongol empire by a different guy who i will look up shortly but like i loved those books as a kid um and you know it was just nice to see you know what happens to um Genghis's, uh descendants uh but yeah no i love this book
0: yeah it's just beautiful um let's talk let's talk about our characters um shu chung ba as we said uh our main character born a woman non-binary royalty right um I so <laughs> I was a little callous about her brother's suicide earlier but like she genuinely is that callous about it and most of the first part of the book is from her perspective which it was uh-huh. almost almost jarring to leave her perspective yeah um at first and then you kind of get used to the flow of it but uh yeah so her life starts in tragedy you know she's a little girl born into famine her dad almost sells her and then like she tries to get her brother to get up and he just like won't and then she finds him dead and that's how we find out that she can see ghosts um in like a very real way um and uh i there were moments i kind of struggled with this book because i was trying to read it all in one day and it's it's it is a slow read it is dense Right. It's only 400 pages. So it's not like the thickest shit we've read for this podcast. But uh she is I she is I think what the Joker wanted to be.
1: Yes. I think that's I think that's rude to she who became the sun to make that comparison. (laughs) I think that we should. I wouldn't say you're not wrong, but you shouldn't say it, right? Like, um, right? You know, if we're gonna make that comparison, right? The Joker is like, oh, you know, I was pushed so far. You know, I became I became the greatest villain of all time because of you know people treating me badly and you know all all, you know the 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 bad things in the world just became too much. uh, So I, I became a villain, right?
0: a villain uh, but 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 she stays funny yeah her weird little monk stick kept me going through this book when i thought i was getting a little too sleepy for it
1: yeah no, there's a lot of bits where um she is just like um, like, people are just like, why is this fucking idiot monk leading this army? Uh, and the monk's just like, well, this humble monk who doesn't know anything is just just trying his best out here. Uh, there's one bit... <laughs>
0: Almost verbatim.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one bit where, like, he, you know, she's trying to learn how to use a sword. Um, and she, you know, asks her, her I think it was her brother, her big brother, her monk brother, um, to, to, like, be a sparring practice uh, partner. And he's like, why would I do that? And she's like, well uh you know exactly about as much about swords as i do which is to say nothing so you'll be great (laughs) um and she's just like you know a very fun character um you know it's we love to see somebody who you know takes their you know who has been treated badly and is able to rise above that and destroy people who suck right like basically everybody except for maybe the prince of radiance um, that she, you know, that she ends up uh, orchestrating the death of, like, deserves it in some way. Like, whether that's the Mongol army who, you know, that, that the, whether or not soldiers are, like, 100% capable or, you know, culpable for their you know, commander's actions is a different conversation. But, like, you know, it, it makes sense why she kills the Mongols. It makes sense why she kills the—I don't even remember his name, but I'm just going to call him the bad advisor. Uh, the, evil, the evil advisor. Uh, it makes sense why she kills the— um the Prime Minister, um, you know, like, she, in like, her, also, her, like, shitty monk teacher, like, she gets him fired, like, all of that is in, in pursuit of, because of the fact, like, they, they wronged her, or, like, they intended to do her harm, um, you know, she's, she's pretty much only, the only, like, really, like, truly bad thing that she does is, is, is kill the Prince of Radiance at the end, um, yeah, and, like, you know, like, I think that's, that's what we like, we like to see complicated, um, complicated heroes and and you know that's that's just what you you give up when you try to become an emperor right you you have to that that's the conflict between her and her love interest right is you know she she sees the good in the world and uh chu is just so um blinded by her own ambition
0: blinded by her own ambition she's also very flippant about life and death right like um but in a way i found like i found her pretty intimately relatable all around Um, other than the power fantasy, I've kind of given mine up uh, a long time ago, (laughs) but, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the, the flippancy between life and death was interesting to me because, uh, not to get too grim on main here, but nobody appreciates life quite like somebody who has contemplated suicide in the past, um, and... 'm I'm, I'm the kind of person who uh, I am just wrapped with on all the time nowadays because I contemplated suicide in the past. And so seeing somebody who's, like, come so close to death and danger all the time and then just having her fight for her life so hard, even if it's, like, a little bit flippant about killing, I don't know, 10,000 men and her brother's suicide and, you know, burning that guy alive and, and, you know, doing all these murders. Like you said, like, she's not wholly unjustified in thinking and acting in the way that she does. Um, the, she's a chaotic little goblin about it, and I love that for her. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, she's great. Um, do you like uh, Shu Da, uh, her, her big brother? I, no, I he believe rules. that's. He's just like yeah, a nice I mean, guy. Yeah, like I, I think probably my favorite bit is like, so, you know, uh, Shu, you know, becomes a monk, right? She she fakes her way to get into a monastery, uh, assumes her brother's, her dead brother's name, uh, and Shu Da is this guy who becomes like her, her monk uh, buddy, basically, and they like share the same bed for like. You know, like ten years while they they go through monk training, um, you know, and at the very end, or not like not nearly, basically at one point, you know, they're talking and, and you know it's revealed, you know, she is like, wait, you knew that I was a, a woman the whole time, um, and first he's like, uh, listen, Shu, maybe some of these other fucking old monks don't know what a woman's body feels like but i do because i fuck um which is very funny
0: the book makes sure we know that he fucks
1: (laughs) yeah and that's great we love we we love a, a king who fucks but he's also just like you know um how could you know despite the fact that you you know you have a woman's body how could you not be my brother um and like that was really nice and you know basically he's you know he's just like basically her number one guy um the rest of the book except for the one bit when he does attack them with his small bandit army um but then that gets resolved and it's fine
0: for like a second all right it yeah was just it's a, like a light second.
1: raid nobody yeah. even gets stabbed too nobody hard gets it's fine
0: stabbed. it's fine as soon as he recognized her it was all good uh <sighs> general gang so oh nope.
1: young's the my favorite character in this book
0: <laughs> absolutely same that bitch is yeah. gonna die oh yeah
1: 100% he's gonna try to fight the Mongol Empire <laughs> um, death is
0: coming for that man but I love him so much
1: Um, I mean like so Ouyang's great because like one he right he is, he is the foil to, to Shu in many ways because like as, as a eunuch, right, he, he was castrated as a young a young boy, um, and they are constantly—the book is constantly, and himself, is constantly comparing him to a woman. Like, he has the face of a woman is the way that they phrase it, and right? Um, and Yeah, uh, I mean, he's not thrilled. I mean, it's not- <laughs> Listen, he he was he was castrated as a child and you know kept as a slave. Um, he it's understandable that Ouyang has some resentment. I get it.
0: One of the most so he has. I think his narration is like my favorite because it's so like observant and incisive in a way that no one else's is. And he has some of the most heartbreaking fucking passages in this entire novel. An overall heartbreaking novel, as we've mentioned. Um, and I think one of them was, was a moment where he did get compared to a woman. It was when, when, uh, uh, Yasin came to him drunk and Mm -hmm. they were talking and he, uh, the two of them have this fucking unhinged sexual tension where Ouyang is like
1: super repressed. So there's a, there's a surprise fisting scene in this book and that's (laughs) less horny than the tension between Ouyang and and Yasin.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. (laughs) It's Uh, wild. And so, uh, Yesen puts his hands his hand on O-Young's face, like a tender, tender little touch. They're having this moment where, like, man, they've, like, never even, like, like shook hands, right? Like, they've never touched each other. And Yesen's got his one hand and a hand on his face. And he says, wow, your face really is beautiful like a woman's. And that is, like, the first major rift in their relationship. Because it is, it is a level of, like, gender dysmorphia, resentment, like, hate, like... All of these things mwah, 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 mwah. I love that scene it broke my heart
1: yeah, I mean it's great right like the um, Yasin's tragedy is that he loves o young like as much like you know I don't know that it's Right, I would. I want to say that he actually like has romantic love for Oh Young, although you know there is like that's like there's a lot of tension between them. But like he definitely loves him like the way that you love somebody like your your closest friend. Um, but like he his his big you know flaw is that he does not understand Oh Young's actual um emotional conflict and, and pain, right? Because Oh Young is not. Um, I don't think he is. He's either half Mongol or like 100%. Um, I forget the the ethnic group, but it's um yeah nandrin um yeah and like he right so so he you know is is not accepted among the society of the mongols who you know he he's a commander of mongol armies but like everybody hates his guts um and like you know like his inability to be like fully integrated into the society that he has become like you know one of the best generals in right Mongol culture like is pretty pretty happy with you know whatever you can do as long as you're good at like fighting. Um, but like you know he, he is still excluded because of his ethnicity, because of his like weird, you know because of his mutilation and the shame that came with it. Um, and, and because of the fact that he you know has, has a uh, quote unquote woman's face. Um, right. And the fact that, you know, his closest companion cannot see that is, is so heartbreaking to, to Ouyang. Like he, you know, his whole time he's plotting this coup because like, you know, uh, Ouyang's father, uh, I believe, um, you know, killed, uh, or no, Yasin's father, um, Chagan, killed Oyoung's um, whole family, um, like the entire line, like all his brothers and his, his parents, and you know they were all slaughtered by them. So like Oyoung's plotting this coup against the Mongol Empire the entire time, directly under Yisen's nose, and is like completely torn up about it. He's just like, God, I you know, like I I have to do this because it is my duty as a son to avenge the the ghosts of my family, uh, but at the same time I I love Yasin so deeply, um, and it's so hard for for him to to come to grips with that. But also, at the same time, he's just like, this guy doesn't get me. He's never seen who I am. He never truly understands who I am. And even as, like, the blood from uh, Yasin is, like, running down, you know, the front of his face as he stabs him, like, he's still just like, ah, I, I love this man. And also, uh, I have to do this because he he never would have truly got me.
0: Yeah, so I pulled a quote. It's Young watching Yesin with an ache in his heart, realized afresh that uh, Yasin had Never been able to understand the values that made other people's worlds different from his own. He looked but couldn't see. Brutal. Bru- this this novel does such a brilliant job of portraying love as momentum, right? It's You can't just, like, even when you begin to understand... That something inside someone is incompatible with the vision you had of them, right? It begins to kind of tarnish that veneer of love. It's still love as momentum. You can't just stop yourself. It's a habit. And that habit and those feelings are such a mess for this man who has swallowed every negative feeling he's had since he was castrated and is, ooh, listen, the like, writer in me the person who loves stories thinks it's so tasty the person thinks it's the human being inside me thinks it's like the saddest shit she's ever read in her life
1: it can be both
0: <laughs> it can be this book does both
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot to handle um do you have thoughts about Yusin?
0: yeah he sucks right oh, like oh you don't like him no he like he's He's like surface nice, right so if if oyong is the foil for Shu uh Yessen is the foil for ma because they're both oh. naive but ma's naivete comes... she's not naive. she's empathetic and she's empathetic knowing that it's gonna break her heart. She's empathetic mm-hmm. knowing what the world is like and trying to always actively find the kinder path. Yessen is naive. He's naive because nothing has ever been denied to him. He's the first son. His understanding of the world is just incomplete because he's never had to struggle.
1: Yes, there's that the, the narration in that bit when they are touching when, when uh Yasin is drunk. Um, and like, you know, young's just like, oh, and now he's pulling away. He's just like, oh, the, the thing the prince just saw something. Um, you know, he was just reaching for one of his possessions, right? That that is how he he feels about, you know. That that embrace, um, because that's right. I think I think Yasin right is just like a spoiled rich guy. Um, that being said, um, because I read the Conqueror series by Connegold, and that's the series I was trying to reference earlier, I just kind of like have a general nice feeling about the Mongols in a way that probably isn't appropriate i still also have the same nice feeling about julius caesar uh, because i read you know four books about the roman empire slash the mongol empire and i spent a lot of time with those characters interiority and now i just kind of associate them with being like kind of nice guys even though historically (laughs) that's not the case um but um you know it's yeah i think that's a very good point to compare it to ma
0: yeah because you don't get sense perspective a lot. You see him through the eyes of his lover. And it's like... It is such a tragic and complicated and frustrating love. Because, like, you love the man. You hate what he stands for. And you're coming to the slow realization that he is not the hero you want him to be it kind of reminds me of madeline miller's song of achilles too right because mm. patroclus like sees uh, achilles as a hero until they they actually come to battle and then his naivete is what gets his lover killed right mm. so um yeah i i man he just made me feel bad you know i guess there is
1: one character that because we also get the perspective of lord yacin's adoptive brother Um, And I guess that is his redeeming quality is wanting to see the best in his adoptive brother, even though, you know, his brother hates his guts. Um.
0: Wanting to see the best in him, but not wanting to see reason. Right? Like, because the whole conflict between him and his brother is one, Jason never stands up for him ever. In front of his father and wholly mm-hmm. wants to believe that his father will just accept him if he learns how to fight. He doesn't. Um, and two, he doesn't ever believe his brother when he's like, I didn't kill our dad, right? I didn't push him off a cliff. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the big rift between them. Because in that moment, like, what would have happened if the brother had accused uh, Young of plotting a coup? He would have never that- believed him.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, I love it. Sometimes you have to have a, a tragic, uh, you know, rich guy who, you know, doesn't doesn't see the things the way they actually are because his life is great uh, and, until it comes all kind cr- crashing down up around his head.
0: It's a lesson on kindness versus the responsibility of power, right? Because a nice guy like Eason could have maybe done fine if he wasn't a powerful lord whose decisions had weight on people's lives. But because they did his ignorance and naivety is not an asset it's not like a a worldview that's valuable or positive like it is for ma it's a fucking detriment
1: yeah sure is (laughs) um i mean uh, the thing about ma is that like you know uh, she i like ma because she you know picks battles that she knows she's going to lose and fights them anyway. Um, like when she, you know, constantly is, is going up with a uh, little Guo and like her shitty fiance. Uh, and she's just like, I'm going to put all these like poetry notes in your armor to, you know, protect you from arrows. um, and, like, you know, when she, like, stops these guys from harassing uh, an old lady, uh, and they just, like, throw her <laughs> into the street and then steal from the old lady anyway. Like, she does these, she picks these battles and, you know, knowing that she's, like, fucked doing them anyway, because nobody appreciates her. Um, and it's it's just so nice. It's, I, I like Ma as a character.
0: I love her. Uh, she has big anime protagonist energy. She cries yeah. a lot. Yes. Uh, which she's- I love. <laughs>
1: In a different world, she would be a, the protagonist of a shonen. Um, but uh, unfortunately, she uh, has to test the love interest of um, uh, somebody who wants to be an emperor, which yeah. which makes you uh, screwed.
0: Yeah, uh, she does though. Like. I don't know, like, speaking, speaking of, inter- like, an interiority, everyone else is so concerned with the machinations of war. She is concerned with the machinations of people, which is, which is fun, a fun break from that machinations of war. Um, where, you know, she's so focused on, like, finding a kinder way, and it, what I like about her versus Lord Yeeson is that she, you're right, like, she picks the battles. But there are also battles to her, right? Like, her kindness isn't just, like, a trait. It's not just, like, a thing. She she wants the kinder outcome, and she knows that that's a fight. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's realistic about it because of the way she grew up. Her whole character arc of, like, she just accepts her fate. You know, she's going to marry little Guo. This is her shit. It's fine. And then this chaotic little monk shows up. And it's like, don't you want something? Aren't, Aren't
1: you t- tired of being
0: nice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't you just want to go aim for shit? Um I loved those chapters almost as much or probably just as much as I loved the chapters of uh, Ouyang Young just like coming to terms with with the fact that he's been swallowing his feelings for two decades. Um she's so like She's so controlled, right? And she's trying so hard not to not to give in to this like awful awful fate but then she keeps thinking about this ugly monk (laughs) she's like fuck what did you do to me um i love that i love a frustrated but kind young woman who just cries and gets fisted in the third (laughs) act
1: listen god bless i'm Um,
0: proud of them i think they're doing great
1: listen if you if you are missing a hand you gotta do whatever it takes baby um yeah, I mean, there, there's only a couple other characters. Uh, you know, Prime Minister, Evil Minister. They, they're they kind of just plot contrivances. You know, they're, they're kind of like conniving, manipulative dudes who um, are obstacles to uh, choose Rise to Greatness.
0: Well, one of them is conniving and manipulative. The other one's paranoid and a coward.
1: Yeah. Um, and they both die. They do so, both well, die. No, Evil Minister doesn't die. He's going to show up in the second book. Um well, 100%. he does No, he survives. He has like a little bandit army
0: oh are you talking about chen i thought uh, you were talking about the guy who got burned alive
1: that oh that's uh that's just some guy
0: yeah fuck that guy
1: <laughs> i mean he's dead he's fucking dead no i'm, t- I'm talking yeah i'm talking about the the right minister or whatever yeah, chen. Or maybe maybe the left minister i don't know left yeah. minister chen yeah
0: right minister Guo. Um, oh uh, yeah he'll show back up he's got his little band of bandits yeah um yeah and then you got uh guo and little guo um the right minister and the right minister's bitch-ass son
1: yeah they sh- i mean they-, they were there they both one of them gets uh drawn and quartered the other one gets flayed alive it's pretty bad
0: <laughs> yeah i mean listen we've read books with worse war crimes but that was still a tough fucking read
1: Here's the thing. I think Shelley Parker-Chan is very good at description. I think there's some incredible descriptions of scenery and emotion and in the battles. I think the battles are very well done. Of course you do, um, fucking dweeb. Yeah, because I'm a big fucking nerd. Um, yeah, but the, mm, there's a couple uh, torture death
0: scenes that are, are are a little bit tough. They're a little <laughs> tough. I also found all the descriptions of grief tough uh like especially ma's grief ma grieves oh she grieves like a poem she's yeah she's very you know she puts it all out there but uh yeah a beautifully written book yeah fucking insane
1: yeah uh that's how we like them here at mortified um
0: yeah i mean like do you want to talk about uh shelly parker Shaw? yeah i'd like to read you her bio from her website because it's gonna it's gonna explain a lot
1: We love Um, author bios that they wrote themselves.
0: Shelley Parker-Chan is an Asian-Australian former diplomat and international development advisor who spent nearly a decade working on human rights, gender equality, and LGBT rights in Southeast Asia. Named after the romantic poet, she was raised on a steady diet of Greek myths, Arthurian legend, and Chinese tales of suffering and tragic romance. Her debut novel, She Who Became the Sun, owes more than a little to all three. In 2017, she was awarded an otherwise tree Fellowship for a work a speculative narrative that expands her understanding of gender. She currently lives in Melbourne with her family. Pronounced she, they. So yeah. do you feel like this book was influenced by Greek myths, Arthurian legends, and Chinese tales of suffering and tragic romance? Because I do. It seems
1: like they may have had something of an impact may have yeah. had just
0: a touch of impact right
1: yeah 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 yep
0: yep yeah i just, I just wanted to read that bio honestly because i it's read great. it and i was like yeah this fucking tracks Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. it makes sense it, it's nice to see that some people wear their influences proudly on their sleeves um, and i think that we should just kind of all lean into who we are more i think that would that would help a lot of people mostly me but people in general.
0: Yeah, uh, I should be able to speak freely about how one of my biggest artistic influences in life is the manga Helsing, which is not well, going to know what should be. <laughs> maybe, maybe, hmm, maybe there
1: are some things that we should keep in the closet.
0: <laughs> mm, maybe. Speaking of closets, this book is trance.
1: It's extremely gender, isn't it?
0: It is so gender. Uh, we talked a little bit about Ouyang's, uh, gender dysmorphia. I also like, uh, the portrayal of, uh, Zhu's, uh, non binariness because it's very familiar to how I feel, which is you kind of forget you have tits until someone else looks at him. And I love that for her.
1: Like, that's it's, great.
0: <laughs> it's a detachment from your body that's just like, yeah, I exist. I pulled another quote that says, How could her body be a woman's body if it didn't house a woman? Points were made. Yeah. Points, Points were made.
1: I don't know that I have a lot of important insight here. Uh, I just thought, you know, it's I, I drew a lot of comparisons between this and uh, Iron Widow. A lot of similar descriptions about, you know, not, being neither male uh, nor female female. Um, you know, or, you know, just trying to, you know, believe hard enough that you are one thing to escape the guise of heaven. Um, you know, I think that, that is an interesting way to look at, um, being, being transgender, I, I guess, uh, hmm. I don't know if I want to say that, but like, there's this quote, right? That I saw on Tumblr (laughs) of all places. That's like, um, being trans is like the, the greatest, um, uh, fuck i wish i could remember it uh, my brain is broken but basically being trans is, li- is like um one of the greatest you know divine alchemies because um you get to participate in god's own act of creation um and that is you know kind of how i feel about like this th- this kind of conversation about how like at first uh she was like no i don't want to attract to heaven i will become somebody who i'm not but then um by you know being quote unquote freed when uh, Oh Young slices off her hand. uh, She's like, no, I'm leaning into who I actually uh, was always meant to be. And, you know, disregarding heaven and becoming or, you know, choosing, you know, the the name of the emperor that that has you know a connection to heaven. Right. Um, You know, you get to become part of your own creation in a way that is pretty cool, I think.
0: Yeah, she said something along the lines of, like, uh, being mutilated is an insult to one's ancestor, but, but, like, what happens if you don't have ancestors to insult? <laughs> what if your ancestors suck? Hell, what if they're bitches? Uh, yeah, so... I... I think one of my favorite parts of this book is the fluidity with which it approaches everything, right? So, um... There's not, like, a moment or, like, a shift where you know uh you like decides she's no longer a woman it's just always kind of she was she was orphaned so young and had to become a quote-unquote a boy so young that she got to develop her own um interior sense of her gender without really having to succumb to like societal expectations because Mm -hmm. she ended up on the freer side of the coin um and a monk right so like a little more detached from society and, you know, like, needing to marry or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, there's also that sense of fluidity with, like, Ma's sexuality, right? You're never like, ooh, was she ever attracted to men? Like, yeah, probably, right? Or maybe she wasn't, or maybe she was. It's like, it doesn't matter. Everything's very fluid and in the moment. And, you know, you get a lot of, from Ouyang, you get a lot of the grief of, like, feeling incomplete um because you know your your body is mutilated in a way that you would rather it not be uh and (laughs) you could do a lot of speculation on why does it matter that it was mutilated is what really makes a man you know is is he not a man just by declaring himself is there societal pressure what makes Like, there's a lot you could discuss and a lot you can kind of interpret on your own but like it's not even implicitly stated, right? It's all very vague. Um, all that matters is how the characters feel about their situations, uh, and yeah, it's it is a very in depth exploration from somebody with a lot of lived experience and a lot of context, and I love it. I think it's great, and I think we need more stuff like it. Yeah, A plus.
1: <laughs> um. What did you think about? So you know, this this is a very well written book. There's a lot of uh, conversations about you know what you owe to your family. You know what what you have to do with fate. You know if, if is fate something that you are bound to, or is fate something you choose? Um, you know, people being set on their their path to their fate, like moths being drawn to flames. That imagery pops up constantly. Um, so that's all very good. Um, what does it mean that only the people with the mandate of heaven can see ghosts? That might just be a world-building bit. <laughs> I don't know if there's any deeper metaphor. That's hard
0: enough to figure it out. No. Not this
1: week. We're not. Um, <laughs> um, I
0: like it though. It's spooky.
1: Yeah. No. I think it's cool that like basically you can manifest if you if you believe hard enough, you can manifest your ability to be emperor. Uh, that's kind of fun. I think uh, if
0: I wanted to read into it, uh, you know, if from my, this is I don't want to phrase this. I say from my own experience. Um, I'm gonna be a little flippant here about my life. So, when you hit rock bottom and you think you're gonna die, uh, your perspective on being alive changes, right? Not the same for everybody I'm talking about, my brain. Uh, you start to contemplate the people who came before you and the people who are gonna come after you a little bit differently. So I do wonder if it's one of those, like, you hit rock bottom. And when you hit, by the way, by rock bottom, I mean, it is the point in your life where you choose, am I going to let this kill me or am I going to live? That is, that is how I define rock bottom. Uh When you choose to live, I do wonder if there is some, uh like, inexorable line of fate that draws you uh into a clearer visibility of the grand design i don't know if i'm making sense it's all death vibes is what i'm trying to get at is is when you when you get that close to what you're saying
1: is that now you can see ghosts which is very cool
0: (laughs) yes i can there's a grave no i'm kidding um but yeah it's uh i i do wonder if it's one of those like oh you came close to dying so now you're closer to the dead kind of things
1: yeah that makes sense yeah, who knows? Uh, it's just cool.
0: Um, Do you believe I, in fate?
1: Um, that's quite a question. Do I believe in fate? Well, I don't think I believe that anything is fixed. Uh, I think that some people are born lucky in that they have wealth and influence, um, and that allows them to achieve things in a way that is, um, you know... They are more able to quote-unquote achieve their fate, uh, i.e., you know, become quote-unquote important people uh, because of, of the positions of their lives, right? There is a mandate of heaven, um, and it's called inherited wealth, right? <laughs> um, there's a reason we've had multiple presidents from the same family. Uh, you know, there's a reason that uh, monarchy was hereditary for a while, Um you know, I I wonder if there's, like, a conversation to be had about, like, you know, the difference between somebody being able to have their – become, you know, quote-unquote manifest their own their own fate, you know, back in the, the 14th century uh, versus now. I wonder how technology has either hindered or improved one's ability to, you know, become – to achieve greatness, as the book would put it. Um, but, no, I – I spent too much time thinking about God's plan in high school um, to believe in fate truly anymore um, because I had a lot of conversations with a very conservative church history teacher, which did kind of make all of that kind of conversations laughable. So, um, no, I guess is the short answer.
0: Interesting. I don't either. um, But I did like that this book uh, cause the thing that makes Ouyang and and Zhu foils is that one of them believes in fate, and the other one is believes they are fate. <laughs> so, hmm.
1: uh,
0: it's it's an interesting perspective. Yeah, I don't either. Right, there's circumstance, but I don't believe anything is fated or fixed. Again, coming from the perspective of a person who, um, one day realized nothing fucking matters uh in like a fun nihilism way
1: i was gonna say yeah that's just that's just being part of the umurangi generation right
0: <laughs> i don't know it's part of something it's a new mental illness i have
1: mm-hmm. we love to see it
0: uh, um, <laughs> anyway uh I'm sure
1: we've already done something similar to this, but like, if you were going to do a historical retelling, um, along the lines of this, like, but with like some fun changes that are personal and important to you, do you do you have anything in mind that you'd like to do?
0: See, the problem is the thing I would do is already done, right? They already put a wizard in the Roman Empire. It's Hamilton, yeah. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) I, I will never be satisfied.
1: Always saying this. (laughs)
0: Uh no, it is Anastasia, unfortunately, is the problem. Mm-hmm. They already put a wizard and a cool bat into <laughs> um the Imperial Apology Tour for the fucking <laughs> Romanovs. Christ. Nikki wasn't that bad. Yeah. Oh. Alright. Uh
1: <laughs> for the record, I am not a fan of Czar Nicholas II.
0: <laughs> no, no one is. No one should be. Um <laughs> You seem to have an idea written down here. Please pitch it to me.
1: So I'm hoping to have my current book done by the end of the year, Um, and I had another book idea that I hope we'll start writing next year, uh, which is uh, what if the Second Punic War, a.k.a. uh, uh, Hannibal Barca versus uh, Scipio Africanus, um, but also... Like, there's talking animals. Um, so, like, you get Hannibal, his best friend is his elephant, and maybe Scipio has, like, a eagle or a horse. And, like, we get, we get, like, a weird, you know, like, like I don't think this isn't magical realism. I don't know what it is, but it's like, you know, introducing some, like, fa- fantastical or, 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 or magical element to historical uh, context. That's kind of, like, my whole shit. Um, it's just, like, taking history and then being like, but what if there was kaiju or mecha in it um and um so that's what i hope my next book will be if my agent lets me write it
0: uh aaron's agent i'm begging you uh (laughs) let it let it happen we'll see Uh, any any final thoughts
1: it's a good book i mean sorry listeners that we're both drained um but like uh you should read this i mean also it's part of the if you're on any part of uh book twitter or or tiktok it is part of the the sapphic trilogy which also includes um the unbroken by cl clark and the jasmine throne by tasha suri um if you like lesbians Listen, I've read I've read The Unbroken, uh, pretty fucking good. Um, and I haven't actually read any of Tasha's stories, although I have Empire I of have. Sand. They're good. We should read. That's the thing. I you keep telling me to read Empire of Sand. I just haven't got around to it. Um, I reread yeah. it. It was good. Yeah. No. Um. Check check out all those authors. They're they're all great.
0: Um. Oh, and yeah. she who became the sun. Uh, I might be on sale for two ninety nine right now, according to the author's Twitter. So sick. Go get sick.
1: it yeah anyway anyway uh, when we're not talking about lesbians uh where can we be found on the internet
0: oh man i'm mostly talking about lesbians uh you can find me at leylses on Tumblr, twitter and instagram mm, you can find me there i don't know what you're gonna find but you can find me there what about you
1: uh you can find me on twitter at airness where i tweet about tabletop rpg's health policy and writing uh i do video essays and reviews of tabletop games that's at AA Voight on youtube um I have two other podcasts. One is, uh, well, the one is this one, and the other one is at The Bible Boys, which is going to be on hiatus for a bit because Josh just started a new job and Michael is traveling the world. Um, So (laughs) who knows when that'll be back, but if you like listening to people talk about weird Christian media just listen to our backlog you know the first couple of gods not dead episodes the quality is bad but the jokes are good so check that out um our theme song is obsolete by keshko from the album filmmakers reference kit volume two you can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com layla how do we want to close out this episode
0: <laughs> uh well we have to end it uh somehow because oh young was suddenly sick of everything
1: <sighs> big fucking mood my guy we'll see you all next week